0: You're listening to St. Joseph, a four-part series on the Foster Father of Jesus Christ. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. I'm Taylor Kemp, the platform manager here at Formed, and with me is our fearless leader, uh, Dr. Ben Akers, our executive director. Uh, we are so excited to be with you here. We are doing a four-part series on St. Joseph. Uh, we are going to start today with St. Joseph in terms of Old and New Testament. There's the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph. Then we're going to move into uh, St. Joseph as under the title of Guardian of the Redeemer. We're going to move uh, from there into Patron of the Universal Church and then end with Patron of the Domestic Church. Uh, so I was thinking, Ben, why don't you start us off with why are we doing a series on St. Joseph? What is the motivation? Uh, and where are we coming from on this?
1: Right, so March it traditionally, as a month of the year, is dedicated to, Saint, to the memory of Saint Joseph. This is uh, something the church has done for centuries. Is dedicated months to different saints and themes and focus. And March is Saint Joseph's month because it's his feast day is March nineteenth. So uh, this is a good thing to do in March. It takes on even more special, uh, uh, yeah, more special meaning when. Uh, Pope Francis surprised everybody and declared mm-hmm. what a year of St. Joseph. So this was just December 8th in 2020. He declared a year of Joseph from December 8th, 2020 to December 8th, 2021. And you might, remember, uh, you might not remember the great jubilee of the year 2000, but nope. I was there. I went to Rome, I went to 10 different countries in Europe on pilgrimage. There's so many graces. We're celebrating 2000 years since God became man and redeemed mm-hmm. us from our sins. And then there was the year of St. Paul, the year of the priest. And so it's, there's a tradition in the church, little t tradition in the church of celebrating different saints or different themes. We've never had, in the 2000 years of the church history, never had a year dedicated to St. Joseph. And that,
0: which is actually quite fitting the more you think about it, like Joseph, we'll talk about this, but he lives such a hidden life. Uh, So do you have any thoughts, like why is it, it just seems that Joseph has always been venerated in the church, but there does seem to be kind of this momentum that has been growing over the past 100 150 years and the church really seems to be saying you know we'll go to go to joseph go yeah, to, joseph, to joseph go to joseph do you have any thoughts on just you know why is it that the the church is holding up saint joseph as someone that we need to particularly turn to today
1: good question i think that when we look at as, as you mentioned in the history of the church joseph is always there you read him in the you read in the gospels we'll talk about that he makes he's present in the gospel we know his name we know his profession and then we see them in some of the fathers of the church. The mm-hmm. fathers of the church will write about them. But you know, in the early church, the focus is on who is Jesus and the, and the different debates about is Jesus God or not. And then how many persons in the Trinity and what does that look like. And so, uh, and then Mary, uh, things having to do with Mary, teaches about Mary. And so, I think that it's appropriate that Joseph's kind of hiddenness has been hidden. And the Pope's, as you mentioned, 150 years starting to push him forward. So that's actually why this year of Joseph is significant. It's the 150th anniversary of the Pope declaring uh, Joseph the universal patron, uh, patron of the universal uh, church. Mm-hmm.
0: And I can't help but think too, just you, you look at a lot of the stuff that's going on today, there, it's no secret that the family is under attack, that's for certain. Divorce is extremely high, Merit, what it, what is marriage is being called into question. And so there's something that just seems very fitting about like, we need the Father who led the Holy Family. Um, and then you think of the, the church universal as the body of Christ, which is also under attack in, in many, many ways. And so I think it's really, really amazing how the church is saying, we need the person who protected Christ and that the church is his extension. We need the person who protected Christ the mother of God, um, because all of these things are under attack. So Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that we're doing this. Um, okay. So, uh, having said that Joseph is such a silent figure there, there's, uh, here at the Augusta Institute, we have a kitchen area where we we have a chalkboard and people put up St. Quotes and, And whatnot and it's really wonderful and someone i thought hilariously put up saint joseph and it was just two little quote blurbs but there was nothing there (laughs) because he's so he's the silent one and then someone actually fixed it and they put jesus as in the only word ever uttered was jesus um so this begs the question though how how are we going to fill four form nows on joseph he's such a he's such a silent figure
1: he is, right. So we, there's, we, we can turn to the Gospels, and that's what we're going to be doing today. And actually, each of the sessions, we can turn to the, some Gospel scene where he's present. But you can also look at the the writings of the, of the Holy Fathers and writings of the saints that have brought up these ideas of how to turn to Joseph. So we'll be doing that. We're looking at Pope St. John Paul II's letter, uh, Redemptoris Custos is a Latin title for it, for Guardian of the Redeemer. We'll be looking at uh, even Pope Francis's letter, his apostolic letter on Joseph is beautiful, From a Father's Heart is how it begins. And uh, yes, when we look at the Gospels, as you mentioned, there are there's no recorded word of Saint Joseph, but we do know he said at least the name Jesus because in the Gospel of Matthew it says when the angel gave when the angel appears to him, he says, "You shall call his name Jesus, and then when Jesus is born, it says that Joseph called him Jesus, so mm-hmm. we know he at least spoke the name of Jesus yeah,
0: it's beautiful and okay, so um today we want to focus on um the Old Testament Joseph, and so something um Something that's beautiful about Catholic theology is we look and we we say that we can we can come to understand some of the New Testament figures better by understanding their Old Testament um, precursors, their foreshadowings. And so, um, Saint Joseph has one of those in the Old Testament Joseph. So, could you uh, just give us the general outlines of the Old Testament Joseph, some of the the shapes of his life, uh, and, and and where, and then we can start kind of breaking down what we can take from him, and then. Come to know a little bit more about the foster father of Christ.
1: Sure. So if we look at, it, we do have stories about Joseph's life. They're in the first couple of chapters of Matthew, the first couple of chapters of Luke, and then Mark and John actually mention that. You know, Mark mentions that Jesus is the son of a carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mention Joseph by name, but twice in John's gospel, he actually mentions that Jesus is the son of Joseph. And we're at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, and as Taylor mentioned, is that we see a type, a figure of someone in the Old Testament that is pointing towards the fulfillment in the New Testament. So that's called typology or prefigurement. And so the fulfillment of the Old Testament Joseph is found in the New Testament Joseph. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that we're clued in to to read this story in this way is by looking at Matthew chapter one. In Matthew chapter one, that, that genealogy, that really exciting part at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, because you actually see where Jesus comes from. He comes from Abraham, he comes from David, and then, In chapter one of Matthew, verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So just that little detail encourages us to think about the Old Testament Joseph. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is there's a Joseph that they share the same name, but they also share the same father's name, that Jacob was the father in the Old Testament of his beloved son, Joseph. So even right there is Matthew's clue to start thinking in this way.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And then um, these th- these because the similarities obviously don't just stop with the name yeah. and the father's name. Um, so then, when we look at the Old Testament, Joseph, you want to give us just like a quick run through of sure his, uh, his, his life? life. Sure, yeah. yeah. So
1: if you turn to Genesis thirty-seven through fifty, it's the Joseph cycle. So it's the stories of of Jacob and then his son Joseph. And when you see Joseph, he's the beloved of his father. He's going to be one of twelve sons, the twelve sons of Israel. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. So he's one of the beloved sons. His mother's name is Rachel. He is. He has. He's a dreamer. He has dreams, and he has dreams that of sheaves of wheat bowing down to him when he wakes up. eh, While he's sleeping, he has this dream, and then he has dreams of the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to him. These kind of strange dreams, and interprets that he's going to have authority, some kind of position of authority, and. Family's not too keen on that. He gets a special. The brothers are, like, the what brothers is are not happy. Even his parents kind of he's get upset. The They're like, ones. "Chill, chill." <laughs> and uh, when when he has he's so beloved, he's got a special coat, right? So you may have heard of Andrew Lloyd Webber's "The Technicolor Dream Coat" of of Joseph. Uh, he's sold by his brother. He's betrayed by his brothers. He's mm-hmm. sold into Egypt. He's sold for silver pieces. He's sold into Egypt as a slave. He grows up in Potiphar's house. Um, who's a That's the name of the the person that bought him and potiphar's what he does everything well god is with him potiphar's wife is attracted to him tries to seduce him he's known for his purity he rejects the advances of potiphar's wife she betrays joseph mm-hmm. by making up a story they tried to attack her and he's thrown in prison and then in prison he has more dreams and interprets dreams and then he's finally taken to the right hand of pharaoh put at the second position highest in the kingdom of pharaoh and has dreams the pharaoh interprets Pharaoh's dreams as seeing a famine coming, mm-hmm. he stores up for the famine, and then ultimately saves all of Egypt and many other people uh, through his providential care, mm-hmm. and then uh, even his own family, gets yeah. to finally meet his dad and his brothers again.
0: Yeah, and he's like this kind of minister of salvation almost for for the people. Okay, thank you for that. There's
1: a lot of chapters of scripture condensed. Oh, it's and it's beautiful, and,
0: yeah. um, it's great. Okay, so let's connect some of these to then the New Testament, some of those you scattered in, but yeah. to make it as clear as possible. So favored son, Mm-hmm. and then you think about uh, New Testament Joseph, and we don't have any lines that he was favored by his father Jacob, but we know he was father favored by the father. Yeah, Because you think from all of eternity, God had his plan. He knew he was going to send his son, and he knew his son was going to come into the world through um, Mary, but into a family. And he chose uh, St. Joseph to be the father. Like St. Joseph is the earthly father chosen by the father, so he is a the favored son, yeah. to become the father of his own one, son. One of
1: the titles that we actually use is the uh, for Joseph is the shadow of the eternal so father yeah. is because he was chosen by God the Father to show his son in his human nature what it's mm-hmm. like to have an earthly father.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it's such a, I love that line. It's so good. And then they shared the father's name is Jacob and then the dreams. I mean mm-hmm. this is a big this is a big thing. The dream God revealing himself through dreams is present through scripture but Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, this was it was very present. It happened again and again and again and again. And then you go to the New Testament and it's like every, you know, there's not that many verses that have Joseph in it. And in um it's like through a dream, God told him this. Through a dream through a dream, an angel told him this. And and he does it and it's just like yeah, four it was times. really yeah, it was just yeah. really present he was guided by god through his dreams and then that was present in the old testament joseph
1: that's why this this image here if you can see it at home yeah. the sleeping joseph is actually a devotion that was introduced to the church by at least you know to the you know to the wide church by pope francis but it's an older tradition of this image of that god speaks to joseph in his dreams and so you put your your wishes your prayers underneath the sleeping joseph and and ask joseph's intercession to answer them mm-hmm. and then from there we let's talk a little
0: bit about purity or chastity so mm-hmm. Joseph, as you said, he was—he uh, had been elevated to in Potiphar's house, the Egyptian official. And Potiphar's wife is trying to seduce him again and again and again. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. You know, he—he he wants nothing to do with it. She grabs his garment. He leaves it. He flees. Uh, she falsely accuses him. But what we see here is a man who is—he—he he refuses to give in uh, to something that is immoral that he is not supposed to do, and he protects his own chastity. And in effect, he's also trying to protect Potiphar's wife's. Right. dignity. And then you get to the New Testament and you see um Mary and and they are betrothed. She is with child by the Holy Spirit and then we say she remained ever virgin. Which implies that Joseph took it upon himself to protect her purity and his own. Yep. Um which is just a really beautiful thing. And I think that here is um maybe a good time to talk about it. we don't know for sure how old Joseph was, New Testament Joseph. Um do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Right, so we don't know what Joseph, there's there's different uh, speculations that we we see in, in the writings of uh, saints in the church and theologians. Some speculate that he was older, that he was married, he had other kids, and then his wife died as a widower, and then takes Mary as the younger. So sometimes you see an old Joseph in art, mm-hmm. and then oftentimes uh, you'll see a young Joseph in art, and I have I, I more of the side with the young Joseph that I believe that Joseph was virginal. Was a virgin just like Mary was a virgin, and that they actually entered into marriage with the intention of honoring each other's virginity, uh, and then, but yet, God honors and, and that union of their of keeping their virginity, but also blessing them to be parents. Yeah,
0: well, when you think about that title, um, there was a am reading a book through for, of the Glories of Saint Joseph right now, and I'd never heard of the saint before. But Saint Leonard of Port Maurice has just this really short line, and he says all of Joseph's glories are summed up in the eulogy. Joseph was a just man. Hmm. Um, and, and and many uh, saints have written that this means that he contained all of the virtues. So how does this apply to his age and in relation to Mary? I think it far more likely, I also think it far more spiritu- spiritually profitable to recognize that Joseph protected Mary's virginity, not because of a lack of hormones, but because of virtue. And I think that as a young man, he still had all of the coursing emotions that would accompany a normal human life, and yet... Virtue, it's a strength, it's a power. And he, from that place, protected her and himself, and that that actually makes him all the greater. And what a phenomenal saint for anyone who is seeking to live in celibacy, Uh, anyone who is seeking to grow in chastity. Because I, yeah, I think an old man doesn't go to Egypt. I mean, you could, who knows? Like, I, I don't know, but an old man, I don't think, takes a wife and child into Egypt. But it was virtue that protected protected her virginity, not just because he was an old man who, you know, had lost that appetite, so to speak.
1: Sure. Yeah. Regardless of of um, you know what what the actual account was, we we do know that Scripture wants to put before our eyes that he was pure. Yeah. He was pure. Yep. Another thing, looking at the uh, the connection between the old and the New Testament. So we talked about name, the father's name, beloved of the father. These mm-hmm. dreams that he had is this. A uh, flight to Egypt mm-hmm. because of envy. So this persecution. So just as the Joseph of the Old Testament was driven, sold by his brothers, and sold into Egypt out of their envy because they're jealous that their brother is so loved by their father. So because of Herod's envy that what there's a king, and I, I you know, you know we'll go back and read Matthew one and Matthew ch- chapter two, that he goes to Egypt uh, out of the envy of Herod.
0: Yeah, and as you're saying that, you're, I'm just thinking about how easy it would be to become bitter. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up because the, one of the most powerful lines, I think in this, this narrative of the old Testament, Joseph comes in chapter 50, verse 20, where he's Joseph has just been had all of these horrible things happen to him. Like his family turned on him. he's sold into slavery. He kind of gets out of it. Then he's falsely thrown back into it. Then he gets out of it again. Then his brothers need him. Like imagine on a human level, how easy it would be to have resentment, bitterness, hatred, judgment, all of these things. And his brothers fall at his feet. And they're like, Jacob had just died. And they're like, you know, who knows what Joseph is going yeah, to do to us? us out? Yeah, Yeah. what are you going to do? And he says, what you meant, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. If you dig into this, you you really find a man who trusts that God's providence is being worked out regardless of how things look. Right. Right. And then you think about New Testament Joseph and the flight into Egypt. Like This is a man who says yes to taking a woman as his wife who is pregnant, not by him. Think about what that would bring. The humiliation, the judgment from other people. He, he still says, yes, Take the angel says, take Mary's wife. And he, he gets up, he does it, he's prompt. And then the response of this is, um, think about the prophecy of Simeon over the child. Then you think of the flight into Egypt, the losing the temple, like all of the things But when you look in light of the Old Testament Joseph and then the New Testament Joseph, you can almost see a similar attitude, which is God is working out his providence. His will is being done. It is coming by way of difficulty, and his heart doesn't grow bitter. Like His heart doesn't grow hard. And that, I think, is a great model from Old Testament Joseph and New Testament Joseph to strengthen in us a faith that despite all appearances or difficulties in how God's will is playing out in our lives, and, like, you're a father of a, fam- of a big family who has moved and done different things and had difficulty. Every person has that in their life. To give us the faith that God is working in that and to have faith. And what, what, what other people have meant for evil, God meant it for good. It can bring out the good. And that is, to me, like, just such a beautiful connection between the two of them.
1: It is. And, uh, yeah, the greatest scandal in the world is not broken hearts it's hard hearts. Mm. And the way that we have these hearts hardened is you know, by being bitter, by holding on to the things, our desires of what we wanted and not trusting in God's providence. And we see that Joseph, of course, had a broken heart. How could he not be pained as he doesn't have a place to provide for his mm. wife who's pregnant about to give birth? How can he not have a broken heart when he's being then, you know, taking this young family into Egypt? How can he not have a broken heart at the presentation when he hears Simeon's prophecy that your wife's heart will be pierced and your son will suffer Mm -hmm. he hears those things and then even uh right when they they look for jesus at age 12 they were looking for him so the broken heart he can be present to us and with us and that's i think the last thing that another connection that the last connection will make at least in this uh episode is the they both the joseph of the old testament the joseph of the new testament trust in the presence of god yeah Several times in the narrative of Genesis 37 through 50, it says that the Lord was with mm-hmm. Joseph. He's in, in in prison, in the pit, in Potiphar's house, uh, at Pharaoh's house. God is with him. And then what does Joseph receive? He receives Emmanuel, Jesus, whose name means God with us.
0: Yeah, so now we have to go one more thing, and, and we'll wrap this up, because on that is I'm immediately thinking about the Eucharist. God is with us, and so the last connection that you had already mentioned, but I think is worth just a a, one second of time is Joseph in the Old Testament provides food. He provides grain, bread in a time of famine. Mm -hmm. If we don't, if, if Joseph of the New Testament does not give his yes, if he does not protect the Holy Family, which we'll talk more about in the next episode, we do not. Christ doesn't make it to the cross. We do not have the Eucharist, and so in a Joseph is central to the grain, the bread, the bread of life, Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist. He is part of that being offered to the world in a, in a famine, in a spiritual famine, in, in spiritual death. And what is going to vivify us came by way of Mary and Joseph. Uh, and it, I love that all of these things come together. Um, it's just really beautiful. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on this first uh, episode of a four-part series on St. Joseph. Joseph. Uh, where we talked about the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph and how there's all these similarities and they can kind of bring light to who St. Joseph is. Thank you so much and God bless. You can watch this series in video format by visiting formed.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content,